Hey everyone, hope you're doing well, hope you're staying safe and warm, and uh, in case you missed last week's message, just want to remind you by way of announcement that we are planning to reopen Excel in person, including small groups, beginning March 11th. Listen, as much as I like making these videos, I miss being able to preach in person, I miss being able to be with you guys and see reactions and find out if a joke landed or not, and so barring any unforeseen situation like another massive blizzard or spike in, in COVID, uh, our plan is to reopen March 11th, uh, and th so that means March 11th and March 12th, Excel and small groups are going to be back in person, so mark your calendars. Make sure you figure out a way to be there. If you have any issues, if your parents need to talk to me, feel free to reach out. Uh, we want to make sure we get a chance to see you. We want to make sure we get a chance to just at least be in the same room again. And so I'm looking forward to that. We'll give you more details as the day gets closer. But we've been in this series over the last couple of weeks called Ships, right? Uh, and we're talking about words that end with the suffix ship. And so the first time we talked about friendship and the importance of friendship and how to choose friends. Uh, last week we talked about relationships, you know, coming up close to Valentine's Day. It tends to be on people's minds if you're in a relationship or if you want to be in a relationship. And so we talked about, well, what's some biblical ways to approach that? And today I want to talk about a different ship that is kind of in the same vein of friendship and relationship. But it's a word that's very commonly used in what we call Christianese, which is a language that's used in church, right? It's a, a word that is often used in church. It's often quoted in church. But I wonder how many people actually know what it means. Because I want to talk to you about discipleship, right? Discipleship is a key component of the church. It is an important aspect of who we are and who we are called to be. And it is part of what the Bible describes as the Great Commission. In other words, this was the job description that God gave all of his people, all of his disciples, before he ascended to heaven for the last time to sit at the right hand of the Father. After his resurrection, he gathered his disciples together, and he famously said this in Matthew 28, verse 19 through 20. Therefore, again, this is not just to them, but this is to all of us, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the job description of the church. And by the church, I don't mean the building. I don't mean the staff. I mean us. We make up the church. And part of our responsibility, part of our main job as the church is to make disciples, right? Of all nations, of all people, not just people that look like you, not just people that come from where we come from, but all over the world, God has called us to make disciples. And so the question is, well, what is that? What does it mean to be a disciple? How do you even make a disciple? And, and what does that look like? What does discipleship look like? And so I want to start with just the basic idea and definition of that word, disciple. To be a disciple means to follow someone for the purpose of learning. And this isn't limited to church. You can see that in sports. You see that in different disciplines where somebody has a mentor, somebody has someone who disciples them, who teaches them hands-on how to do stuff. Uh, even when I worked at Target, I was working in the HR department as a development staff and development manager. And so part of my responsibility was not just hiring new employees, but training them. And so in the process of training, what I would do is I would pair them up with an experienced worker, usually somebody who was really good at their job. And their job was to replicate themselves 
in this new person to show them all the things that they are responsible for and the best practices to doing that job because nobody's going to walk in and just know right nobody's born knowing anything this is all stuff that we learn and we learn from somebody else and so discipleship is the mode and the method in which god chose for you and i to help other people who don't know god get to know god who don't understand how to live a godly life we are there to help guide them as god has helped guide us and this, we are part of this chain. This is a, a link that's been going back to these disciples, right? We only know about Jesus the way we do because these disciples did their job. They left their home. They went into all the world. They preached the gospel. They taught about who Jesus was, and they raised up disciples. They didn't just raise up converts. I mean, they didn't just ask a few people to raise their hand if they want Jesus, and they're like, awesome, you're saved. I'll see you, you know, never again. They spent time teaching and developing and training and helping people understand what it really means to follow Jesus. That's a responsibility that you and I have, not when you grow up, not when you become a leader, but right now we have a responsibility to be a disciple and to make disciples. And so as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. And he says this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. To me, this is a great definition of discipleship. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Uh, picture a train for me, if you will, right? At the front of the train, you have the engine. This is what drives the train. This is what brings the train along. This is where all the power of the train is located. In this illustration, God, Jesus Christ, is that engine, right? The only reason we're going anywhere is because of his leading, because we are following Jesus. Attached to the train is the first rail car. And attached to that rail car is the next rail car, and the next rail car, and the next rail car. Now, none of these rail cars have any power in and of themselves. If they were just on the track, they wouldn't be going anywhere. They'd just be standing there. The only reason there's movement, the only reason some of these rail cars can go 200 miles an hour is because they're being led by the engine. But the only reason that the fifth rail car is able to be moving, because if you think about it, that fifth, sixth, seventh, twelfth, twentieth rail car is not directly connected to the first one. It's connected to the car in front of it. So each car has a car in front of it and a car behind it, and they are all connected to the engine by that connection to each other. That's the model of discipleship, right? It's a crude model. It's not perfect, but it's an illustration to help you understand that we are to follow Christ and be an example for other people to follow as we are going after him. Ultimately, it's important to understand that it's Jesus who we're ultimately following, that it's Jesus who is the main leader here, who is the main driving force of our faith, not men. But God in his wisdom uses us in order to stay connected to Christ as we're connected with each other and we're connected to him. So I want to break this down a little bit more in, in simpler terms. This verse, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. There's a lot that we can really get out of that. But the first thing you need to understand if you're taking notes is that word follow, right? To follow is the essence of being a disciple. It's the main idea. God is calling you to follow him. This is hard for us because we're wandering people. When we are, think about this all the time. I, I think about this when I would go for walks with my wife back when we can actually go outside all the time. 
And uh, I used to always joke that I hold hands with her because if I didn't, she would wander away. She's the kind of person that if we're going somewhere and we're outside and we're in something new, she can get so caught up looking at something pretty or something cool or something interesting that we'll just keep walking and she'll get left behind. So I literally got to hold her hand to make sure she doesn't wander off. Same thing I imagine now with my daughter. Now that she's beginning to walk more, as she gets to explore the world, I'm going to have to try to hold her hand and make sure that she's following me because... I need her to be safe. I need her to be where I called her to be. And so God is calling us to follow him. And this world is full of things that try to distract us from doing that, that try to pull us away from following Christ. Things that, that are whispered in our ears, things that are pulling away at our eyes, things that are trying to get us to be distracted enough that we stop following him. But this is the main idea. Listen, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Okay? That follow me is huge because you can have self-denial. You can do, you know, all the things that you're not supposed to do. I'm saying uh, you can stop you can stop sinning. You can stop looking at bad things on the internet. You can stop swearing. You can stop behavior. But that doesn't make you a disciple. That's not enough. That might be part of it. As we follow Christ, we begin to understand that there are things in our life that he doesn't want for us and that aren't good for us. But if you think that behavior modification by just changing certain things makes you a disciple, you're wrong. It's following Christ. That's the key to it, right? It says, listen, you got to deny yourself the things that distract you, the things that try to pull you away. And you got to take up your cross. That means there's going to be a certain level of suffering because you're following Christ, because you're doing the things he calls you to do. And again, we try to avoid suffering. We think suffering is a bad thing. But if you look at all these people we admire, you look at uh, all these like physically fit people on Instagram, there's suffering that goes into having a body like that. You think about all these athletes and the pinnacle of what they do. Well, they suffer for that craft. There is a certain level of suffering for the things that we love to do. And because we love to do it, we don't always view it as suffering. So yeah, you have to deny yourself. Yes, you have to pick up your cross. But if you do all that and you don't follow me, you don't follow Christ, then you're not a disciple. And that's the key. You have to be willing to follow Christ, to imitate Christ, to act like Christ. As a matter of fact, the very definition of Christian means little Christ. In the Bible, in, in an area called Antioch, they began to be referred to as Christians because they were these little Christ. They were Christ-like. It's like you think about an action figure and how it looks like the figure it's supposed to be. Well, we're action figures of Christ. We are built not just to look like God, but act like him. And so Christ here is saying, first and foremost, I need you to follow me. Okay? It's great that you do all those other things, and it's important to, to strive to be holy. But if you're not following Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then you can't call yourself a disciple. And so a lot of people, they follow a church, they follow celebrity figures, they follow popular Christian people, they follow you know verses and, and twit, tweets, and it's like, hey, listen, I'm a disciple. No, no, because you fail to follow the very one that you're supposed to follow, the engine of the whole thing, Jesus Christ. Some of you, your relationship to God is really a relationship to an institution. It's a relationship to Excel or to a leader or to me. And that's not enough. That's part of the equation. But ultimately, if you are not a follower of Christ, if you don't have an independent personal relationship with Jesus, then you can't truly call yourself a disciple. Now, that being said, 
in order to grow into that, in order to learn how to do that, God establishes leaders and people that have been there to help you along the way. And so the first one is to follow, but the second one is to follow my example. Now, this is very hard to do for a lot of us because uh, it's a bold statement to follow my example, right? It's hard to follow somebody else's leading, but here's the idea. Um, First and foremost, we aren't born knowing how to do this. There's a lot of stuff that we're unsure of. And so we need someone to help teach us along. Now, I'm going to get more into this in a moment, but I'm not saying they're God. I'm not saying that they are, you know, exactly who you need to be. Again, Jesus is the engine. That's the first one. But there are certain things where, okay, I'm new to all this. And the Bible tells me to pray, but I don't know how to pray. Well, who's going to teach me? Someone who knows how to pray. I don't know how to worship. Someone who knows how to worship can show me what it means to worship. I don't know how to live a holy life. Someone who is living a holy life can help be that example for me, right? I can give you all the textbooks and all the manuals, but there is something different about a person coming next to you and saying, hey, let me show you how to do this. We all need people to disciple us. We all need someone who's a little bit further along in the journey to say, let me show you what I've been shown. Let me teach you what I've been taught. Let me pass down to you what's been passed down to me. This is huge. This is big. I was just uh, commenting the other day on um, the, a buddy of mine's Instagram post, and they were talking about how back in the day with Nintendo cartridges, the original Nintendo, used to blow in the cartridge in order to make the game work. And there's all this research that they've done that says that that doesn't do anything, that it's <clears throat> a total myth. And it's just something that people did. But what I find amazing is in the early 90s, which is like, whoa, so long ago. But we didn't have the internet. We didn't have anything to go viral. This was something that was taught to you by someone else who had a Nintendo. And and they taught you and this person taught you. And it became something that we taught each other because we all thought that this worked. Now, whether it worked or not, I still think it worked. But that's kind of, in a way, how we model things. And we all pick up on stuff like that. And so here, this is an important aspect to say, hey, listen, we need an example in our lives, someone godly, someone who's a little further along in the journey to show us where to go on this journey, to learn from the good things they do, and even to learn from some of the mistakes that they've made. Listen, Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 says, join together and follow in my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have Uh, us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Okay. So it's important to look for people that can give you an example. And again, I'm not saying that they're perfect. I'm not saying that they're God. And so don't elevate them to that status, but yeah, listen, there are people in my life still to this day that I look to as an example that I look to, to say, Hey, this is somebody that can help me. I remember even as a teenager, there were areas that I struggled with and I would look at my leaders and I would think, man, if they can manage that, if he can do this, this area that I'm struggling with, then maybe I can. And I remember it giving me strength. I remember it giving me encouragement because I knew, well, it's been done. Somebody is doing it. I'm watching these people doing it. And if they can do it, I can do it. And even in batteries, I remember just uh, for whatever reason, I was a little nervous about learning how to drive as a kid. And I remember thinking, you know, 14, 15, how am I going to learn how to drive? I'm not going to remember all these streets. How do I know all this stuff? And I remember seeing this, uh, one of my buddy's older brothers driving down the street. And I kid you not, I remember thinking, oh, that dude's a moron. <laughs> He's just so dumb. 
if that guy can drive, I can drive. And again, I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but sometimes it helps when we see somebody else doing it. And sometimes God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Sometimes on this journey, we feel like, man, I'm never going to be able to reach that status. And then we see somebody who's doing the work, who's growing in the relationship with God, who's setting an example, and it inspires us and it tells us, man, maybe it'll work for me too. And here's a caveat to that. I think it's a really bold statement for Paul to make. Because most of the time, we don't want to be the example. Because we know that we're, we mess up. We know how sinful we really are. And so we rather say things like, hey, hey, don't follow me. Follow Jesus. And what I'm saying is, yeah, follow Jesus. But you should be an example too. And a lot of times as teenagers, I've heard you guys say things like, well, I can't wait till I, you know, till I graduate so I can be a leader. And what I'm saying is if you learn to make disciples now, you can be a leader today. You don't got to wait until you graduate. You don't got to wait until you're older. You need to set the example now. As a matter of fact, that's what Paul was telling this young man that he was discipling. If in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, he reminds him, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for all believers, old, young, male, female, set an example for all believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Listen, these are areas of your life that you can be an example in. I'm not going to say you're perfect because none of us are perfect. But we strive to allow people to look into our lives. And what I've discovered is when I know somebody else is watching, there's motivation in that to do better. When I see the way my daughter looks at me, there's motivation in me to be better because I know she's going to copy me. She's going to try to do everything I do. And for years, even as a youth leader, before I became a pastor, there were moments where I would struggle and I would be tempted to do something. And I would remind myself that there are people watching you, Joey. There are people that are following your footsteps in the snow. And if you want to make sure that they don't trip, you got to set a good example. And so even in moments where I didn't care for myself, because I cared about these people, I realized, no, I got to do this because it's not just about me. It's about the chain of witnesses behind me. This is a powerful motivator. And so don't be intimidated by being an example. Be encouraged. Be motivated by understanding that there are people who are willing to look at you if you're willing to show an example of that's worthy of following Jesus. So let me just recap real quick. You got to be a follower, follow my example. And the third thing is, to follow my example as I follow Christ. And this is a big one, and I've kind of touched on this a little bit throughout this message, but this is very important. It's important to understand who you're a disciple of, right? We are disciples of Jesus. Yes, it's important to have people in our lives. Yes, we need examples. They're encouraging us. They're helping us. But remember, ultimately, you follow Christ. And we've seen a lot of leaders throughout the years. Even at Excel, there's been plenty of leaders who have messed up, who have walked away, who have sinned, who have turned away from God. And that can be, have a major effect on students. So it's important for you to understand, I'm going to follow this person in as much as they follow Christ. Meaning, the moment they don't follow Christ or the areas of their lives where they're not following Christ, that's something I'm not focusing on. That's something I'm not going to follow. So I'm going to learn from their mistakes. I'm not going to go and repeat those same things because ultimately my goal is to be more like Christ and not more like Pastor Joey, right? My ultimate goal is to be more like Christ. So if Pastor Joey is acting like Christ, then I'm going to do that. But when Pastor Joey starts to do things that aren't like Christ, then I'm no longer following his example. 
Okay, these are things that are important for us to understand. First John chapter two, verse three through six says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, meaning God, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Not as Peter did, not as Paul did, not as Pastor Joey did, not as your leaders did, not as your mom and dad did. We have to live as Jesus lived. Part of Jesus' whole purpose in living on earth as a person was to set an example of how you and I are to carry our lives. To be his disciple, in order to adequately fulfill our discipleship, we need to be like Christ. We need to live like Christ. We need to act like Christ. We need to love like Christ. We need to share like Christ. We need to sacrifice like Christ. Everything about us should be modeled like Christ. Now, again, uh, do I expect you to walk on water next week? No, obviously not. There, there are limitations that we have because of our sinful nature. But the reality is we have far less limitations than you really think. If you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you, if you're willing to be mentored and discipled by somebody who's come further along than you, then you will find that you are far more capable of doing things than you first thought. These sin areas in your life that you think I'll never get rid of or I'll never stop. You'd be amazed at how easily that can go away when your focus is not on trying not to do that, but on trying to become more like Christ. And again, you can't be more like Christ if you don't know Christ. So it's kind of this whole reciprocal idea, right? The closer you are to Jesus in your reading of your Bible, in your prayer time, in your worship time, in your devotional time, the closer you are to Jesus, the easier it is to be like Jesus. You naturally begin to mimic him. Again, I'm just going to use the illustration of my daughter. Um, There's so many things that she does that are just literal copies of us because we're the ones she's always with. So sometimes my wife and I will be laughing and she'll just start laughing with us. She doesn't even know why we're laughing, but she's mimicking us. Why? Because she's always around us. She's going to talk like us. She's going to have our accents. She's going to have our mannerisms. She's going to do all the little things. And it's not all biological. So much of this is learned behavior because she's near us. The longer and the closer you are to Christ, the more you begin to act like Christ, the more you begin to talk like Christ, the more you begin to think like Christ, the more you begin to love like Christ, the more Christ-like you become. And this is a lifelong journey, something that we are all striving to do until we are face-to-face with Christ again in heaven. And so I'm going to wrap this up with just one last thing, and and I want to encourage you with this. Discipleship has been a huge aspect of my life. And I was thinking about this a few weeks ago. I was on a Zoom call with a class at a Bible college teaching a course for a buddy of mine who's a professor there. And I'm thinking to myself, and I said it to the class, I never graduated from college, let alone go to Bible college. I don't have any formal training on being a minister. I didn't go to seminary. I didn't go to a master's commission. I didn't go to a leadership college. I didn't go to any of those things. All I had was a man who was willing to disciple me for five years, take me under his wing, and teach me how to be a pastor. And I think it's one of the greatest educations a person can get. Literally, my job when I was a youth leader under Pastor John was to follow him. There was one time where I'm following him around, and I turn around, and he's not there. And I'm looking all over the church for a while, and ultimately, I find him hiding in a closet. 
When I opened the door, I'm like, what are you doing in the closet? And he looked at me and said, your job's to follow me. You weren't following me. And so literally my job was to just follow him and watch him and do the things that I saw him doing. And if there's any good in me as a pastor, it's because of people like Pastor John, people like Pastor Carlos, people like all the other men and women who have been a part of my life who are willing to disciple me, to teach me how to be a pastor, let alone how to be a Christian. I I think if you really understand, sometimes we feel like, well, I don't have this and I don't have that. Well, look at what you do have. Those of you who are in Excel, you got a pastor who loves you. You got leaders who care about you and want to be there for you. You have people that are willing to be your disciples. But here's the deal. You got to be willing to be discipled. And at the same time, you got to be willing to pass it on. You got to be willing to be an example to somebody else. If you can do that, this train can go really far. And so hopefully you'll heed my word, you'll pay attention, and you'll take on the discipleship that God has called you to be. Let me pray so we can ask God's help for that. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every one of these people. God, I thank you for the model of discipleship that you've given us. God, I thank you that you are the ultimate model, that you are the example, that your word is filled with footsteps that we can follow to be more like you. And I also thank you for the many men and women throughout the history of Christianity who have set an example, who are links in this long chain that is connected to you, Lord. Father, I pray that you help us not to break any of those links, but to continue to be those links for future generations, to be everything you called us to be, to be disciples of you and you alone, O Lord. So Father, I just pray, help us to not be distracted, help us to be focused in, help us to follow you and be an example for others to follow. Lord, we need your help and we need your guidance in order to do and be who you called us to be. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. I love you. Tune in next week. And remember, March 11th, we're going to be back in person. Have a good one. God bless.